the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, today, Wednesday, your shortest trip to Washington, D.C. that you'll ever make. We've got uh, Congressman Hill here, and at about 20 minutes after 7, because he's rushing to get on a plane in Fresno, because he's out in California, we'll have Congressman Westerman on with us at the same time. So that should be fun. We get both of their ideas on the president says, well, we're the government, so we're going to put our boot on your throat and make you buy an EV. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make you buy an electric vehicle. Don't got, you just love this president? they got two ways to do it because they are going to demand the manufacturers make more EVs. And in talking to dealers, you know, nobody wants one. Uh, they're expensive. And, yes, they save money. You don't have to go to the gas station. That's true. But they've got a battery life issue. They're very expensive. They're, people are not ready to, to travel and have them charged. And then if you have a job where you've got to have flexibility and you've got to go, oh, my gosh, I've got to run to Blytheville today, that just doesn't work for you. No, it does not. And uh, I read, you know, in addition to this EV credit that they're doing for union-made cars in the United States, of course. So if you have want to buy a Hyundai, you can kind of say sorry. Uh, they're going to put tailpipe restrictions up to the point where you won't be able to afford a gas car. That's the latest. And how they're going to deal with that, I don't know. But the last time I checked, Dave, about ownership in Arkansas, about, right. about 4 million vehicles registered in the state of Arkansas, I think there were less than two or 3,000 that were EVs. And really? They're, they're trying to push this before consumers are ready and before consumers have a product that they want. So they're trying to create this by government fiat instead of, you know, pull yeah. from consumers. Well, here's my, my question. The, the president wants EVs right now because that's the new hot right. thing that they want. What's going to happen, we're, we're just around the corner from getting hydrogen fuel cells that are going to work the way that they've been working towards getting them to do. What are they going to do when they get everybody sold on EVs and then hydrogen comes along and... We want to sell them those. Yeah. Well, you know, this happens when you have government mandates instead of letting the marketplace do this. This is why I opposed the Inflation Reduction Act. It's why I opposed actually the BIF, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. These are and the CHIPS Act. These are all forms of industrial policy mm-hmm. where the federal government picks winners and losers before we know the market outcome and, and the cost of of supply and demand. You said something a minute ago that that really resonates is the car dealers tell you people don't want these electric vehicles. And in the the article I read uh, this morning, 93% of car sales in 2022 were gas-powered. If people wanted electric vehicles, 
they the manufacturers would be creating electric vehicles well you know and they are they're trying to but i mean ford said they were going to convert like in the next three years to all electric and i think there was just a rebellion you've read in europe that uh, vw is thinking about that and in europe uh, they are further along on that because they have a completely utterly different living working environment Period. Full stop. These are teeny tiny places with teeny tiny trains that go to teeny tiny places right. all over the yeah. continent. And they have very, very expensive gas. And people haven't driven for a while. It's just a much more concentrated, dense urban environment. We live in precisely the opposite environment. Mm-hmm. And if you are living and doing the typical thing an American does, drive about 50 miles a day, you know, we're running to Kroger, we're running to kids back and forth to school. We might run out to a soccer match, and you want to drive an EV, they're available. And they're going to be available in a more cheap form. And if you can go home every night, plug it in your garage, more power to you. Well, good point that you just made. Uh, Europe is an urban landscape, while America is not. Right. And a lot of people who work and travel here for business and for pleasure, you know, might pick up and decide, hey, we're going to, we're going to go watch uh, a game in Kansas City or Dallas. Well, you better have a plan then. So, um, but I think the obsolescence price, the battery cost, uh, all these things are, are challenges. And we're, ge- we're getting out ahead of our skis on where the market is. I have no doubt we're going to have fuel innovation. No doubt we're going to have different kinds of cars. No doubt driving a Tesla is a lot of fun. I'm not against any of that. It's when you mandate it before the market can deliver it affordably and the system is ready for it. The grid, is it ready for the federal government to say we demand that everybody drive an EV by 2030? That's not what the utility companies say. Now, how about Elon Musk? They they made a big uh, announcement two days ago where they now say they're going to work on a new battery that is lead-based. Right. And that's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. That is a game changer. That means all those really big-time precious metals they got to go out and get to be able to build a – uh, a battery will not have to be mined. And last I looked, they're still letting us get iron ore out of the ground. Well, so. when we'll get Westerman on the call. We're going to add into this issue of we want to have more critical minerals uh, sourced in North America, obviously. Take advantage of Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. for that. But you can't get them here. But you can't get a permit <laughs> here. I mean, just yeah, that's what, a, yeah, it's just crazy. It, the, the, this administration's energy policy is nonsensical, hypocritical, and bizarre. Uh, and it's all driven, obviously, by climate change. And it's all driven that we want to have instantaneous turnaround of an entire economy uh, that's just not possible. This is what government bureaucrats do. I can remember, in the, you remember in the 70s, actually, when uh, we decided, because of the high cost of gas, the shock we went through after 72, everybody wanted a diesel car. Yep, yep. Remember we had to redo the gas stations, and everybody imported Mercedes diesel mm-hmm. cars, and, and only trucks were in diesel, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, again, you could, to your point about hydrogen fuel cells, we could con- reconvert the entire infrastructure with a huge expense to the economy, and then, whoop, we eclipse the idea of a battery-powered car. I was just talking to my wife about that yesterday. Yeah. I said, wouldn't it be nice to drive up to fill up your car and all you had was a hose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Water would be more expensive, I'll guarantee you that. Well, well, people, 
citizens are for progress, and and citizens want to see innovation, and they buy into innovation. But it can just look at the cell phone innovation, right? And citizens love that, right? But here's what they don't love: when you say that word, when Biden says that word, mandate, yep. mandate. Well, then we got a problem. Well, yeah. when you do it, you just disconnect uh, supply and demand, yeah. and you disconnect uh, letting things naturally take their course. Uh, and some have very steep curves. Oh my gosh. Uh, cell phone adaptation from 1996 <laughs> yeah. to 2006 yeah. that curves the steepest better than color tv better than radio yeah. i mean just but people were receptive and what it. else yeah. the market created so much competition by deregulation 1996 mm-hmm. telecommunications act that you had both manufacturing competition and the cell phone service competition right here in arkansas we saw a whole enterprise built altel uh, and Motorola versus uh, another manufacturer yeah. for the product. So we're I, I don't we did that by deregulating. Here Biden is trying to do promote EV by regulation. Yeah. So that ought to ask you need to think long and hard about that. Big difference, right? Yeah. Big difference. All right. So what's happening with the administration working with you all in Congress? Uh, there's some legislation sitting out there about trans. Uh, uh, transsexuals and work and 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 uh, competing in women's sports and things of that nature, and now here comes uh, you know Biden. He wants to change Title IX. He said if you don't let transsexual athletes uh, compete, they're going to cut your uh, your federal dollars off to your school and things of that nature. Do you guys have the necessary votes to move that through? I think we I think we do have the votes in the House uh, to do that. Uh, no one has really been for this. Uh, this is one of those things that when you poll it, it doesn't make sense. It reminds me of our great new governor, Sarah Sanders, when she says normal versus crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I ask a lot of people who were D1 athletes, hey, would you like to have a transgender, you know, a male that's now a transgender woman competing in your uh, sport in high school or college, and it's just universally well, no. And there's some other adjectives that are attached. To the <laughs> yeah, word. yeah, I bet. No, that it's nuts. It's nuts. It's unfair to women, and it's a complete violation of what fifty years of Title IX, which was all about equalizing access to sports for talented young women. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it is crazy. It is not normal. What you do about that, about, you know, some talented transgender athletic person, you know, I'm not sure. But well, I don't think Dave's mandating it. it. Dave, all got you got to do is, is start tran- a transgender yeah. sport. Yeah, there you all go. All right, let's yeah. go ahead and do that. But, you know, here's the problem. There's not that many of them. No, I mean, they'll be, they'll be look, you know, it'll, they'll have to have mirrors in order to have a full. <laughs> That's exactly right. And to have a full track you it's know? not like you're going to play football i'm telling you that when right you now. look at the progress and i'm a big title nine guy and i'm big on women's sports and, and everything and if you look at the progress because we go back to a time where women were told you there you don't have the stamina to play full court basketball so what young people don't realize is we go back to a time when women's you're basketball was, was half court <laughs> And women have come so far, and Title IX is a big reason for that. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is just running over the Title IX with a bulldog. The only sport when I was in high school that girls could play 
was powder puff football. Hmm. You remember that? Oh, yeah. And and the girls would go out and play flag football. Yeah. And it it was great. I knew some girls that were great athletes. Women's sports is phenomenal. You want to see some phenomenal athletes. But it's designed to be competitive, and what this does, it takes it away. We've got to deal with uh, Brooke Walker. There's a young lady, and Dave and I were talking about her, who has finished third in the world in fitness and third in the world two years running Miss Olympia, and she mm-hmm. should win it this year. And I'd talk to her, and it's a problem even in the women's fitness or bodybuilding. Sure. It is a problem there. And uh, and. They feel, Brooke feels cheated. So many female athletes feel cheated by this. And the reason they feel cheated is because they are. Yeah, I mean, and they are because uh, so much of athlete is about uh, power and you just have a complete physical difference between, you know, an athletic male body transgenderized to from a female body. And it's just It's just a fairness issue. So the polling is overwhelmingly for fairness. And, you know, you, you make a, Typical American common sense proposal, which is, look, why don't you just compete against other transgender athletes in your particular category? It'll be modest in size. Mm -hmm. We got it. But at least it would be, you know, fair. Wasn't women's sports modest in size before it got popular? But here's the key. Look where it's going. Let me give you a good example of this, and i got to take a break. And that is Special Olympics. Mm -hmm. You don't put Special Olympians in with regular Olympians. No. All right? They started the Special Olympics. All right, and it's done well now. Yeah, do it with transgender. Yeah. I don't have any problem. No. If you want to go out and watch guys in dresses, I don't care. There's a lot of people, I guess, that like that stuff. I, I, I don't, don't begrudge it. somebody. You know, look, it's not my lifestyle. There's a lot I don't agree with, but it, you know, if you're a good person, I don't begrudge your lifestyle. That's your choice. And if you want to compete in something, then you're competing in it for the love of the sport. Yep. And if you're not, and if that's not your motivation, then don't play. Right. All right. Take a break. We'll be joined by Bruce Westerman in just a moment. Congressman is at Fresno Airport. What a place to be hung up at. It we'll, should, be we'll in a turkey, <laughs> should be in a turkey blind somewhere. <laughs> Talk to him about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back. Just got a uh, text uh, from Congressman Westerman. He's stuck in he's stuck in the security line at Fresno <laughs> Airport. Uh, he's going. I just call. want to know if he got a turkey last week. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, in yeah, Alabama. Yeah. I want yeah. to hear about it. He's going to call. <laughs> he says he'll call in one to two minutes. So he's trying to get through right now. Though they're, they're wanding him, I'm sure. It sounds like a country song. Yeah, well, yeah, that could be made into a country song. Definitely, as far as that. What's the big issue that's uh, on the on the docket for you all in the House? The budget. The debt ceiling. I mean, everything else is, is we're, you know, we're doing our work. We've gotten Biden to sign our bills. You know, I think people ought to recognize what McCarthy's gotten done this year, a bill to fully declassify uh, the Wuhan COVID-19 virus passed both houses and is being signed by the president. That was something he wasn't expecting. Uh, how about ending the pandemic? Yeah, that happened yesterday. Yeah, well, we passed a bill the first week in January, telling him, or the first week of Congress, telling him to do that. How about uh, overriding the District of Columbia because they were going to decriminalize, <laughs> mm-hmm. like carjacking? You have to actually shoot somebody and kill them before you can go to jail in the District of Columbia. Uh, Biden signed that, so we're working our way through that. Last week uh, was an energy week for us uh, to promote American energy. Uh, something that's critical for our uh, national security and independence, prices for our, our families. But what's hanging over this is trying to get spending 
moving lower after the pandemic and Biden spending madness. That's all we're talking about. And part of that is debt ceiling. And it's because you have to pick a number, Dave, of how much to raise the debt ceiling by. Mm -hmm. It's not like a date. Oh, let's raise the debt ceiling until January of 2025 after the election. No, it's dollars. You've got to project how much you want to spend or not spend. And the accrued interest, add them together. That's the new debt ceiling. That's how it works. And obviously that's controversial because you're trying to figure out how much can you cut spending with Biden in the White House and the Democrats controlling the Senate. Any? None. Right? I so agree. that's where this tension is. And to me, it's the dominant issue of this Congress. We're going to do other things. John Bozeman is going to try to pass a farm bill. Uh, we're going to try to continue to do good work uh, fighting back against the Biden dumb agenda. But at the, sum, at the bottom line is, can we take that number that's growing out of control and flatten it and trade then, you know, some increase in the debt ceiling for some period of time? So that's what we're working on. So with the, with the uh, senator, with, yeah. with uh, John Bozeman sitting over there wanting to do a farm bill, it would seem to me that if it's a, a good farm bill, yeah. that there's plenty of senators in Kansas, Iowa. yeah. yeah. That would get behind this. So, you know, uh, the farm bill, I'm going to round off. Westerman may know the exact number. But about, you know, 10 to 20% of the farm bill is farming. Yeah. yeah. And the other is the supplemental nutrition program. Yes. And related. Conservation is in there, too. Uh, and so we're working back for classic 1990s policy changes. you got to work. What's, what's the eligibility? No one's against helping people temporarily with SNAP benefits. But during the pandemic, everybody at every income level under every circumstance got supplemental nutrition assistance. We want to go back, back to a more pre-pandemic level, and that's the core of the farm bill. And so I noticed yesterday Dusty Johnson of South Dakota has introduced the House version where we uh, go back to work requirements and you know a more narrow eligibility for SNAP, and that would be part of the, the farm bill. Well, we've been moving that way here in the state as well. Right. It used to be two years. Now it's back to one year yeah. that you can be on it. And do, do you believe that they're ready to do that? Do you think that the, the, Repub or the Democrats will get with that? I really, I really don't. Uh, because I've seen this transition. I've served in the House now eight years, and in the past four years under Pelosi's leadership, two years with Trump, two years with Biden, I mean, I've just seen the pandemic uh, turn them into mania, spending mania. They, there's no limit to what they want to spend money on and expand the power of government. I've, I've never it, seen it. It was an excuse. Yeah. All right, we've got a couple of minutes. Congressman Westerman has gotten through... Hooray! <laughs> He's got through security. Now tell me, you didn't have a gun in your in your your luggage, did you? Oh my goodness, Dave! I'm in the Fresno Airport, and uh, it was. It, it, does anything work right in California? <laughs> <laughs> Any, all right, real quickly, let's a, let me ask you a couple of real fast questions. Let's. Uh, we need all these uh, rare minerals, but we can't mine them in the United States. That's what yeah, the president uh, says. Well, and the uh, the policy of this administration of Democrats, where they want to electrify everything, just makes the demand for those minerals and elements that much higher. 
And what it's doing is playing into the Chinese economy because they control 63% of the world's minerals and elements. Uh, it's, it's asinine that we've got all that stuff here and we won't mine it uh, because we don't want it uh, in our backyard. You know, what I've been saying is uh, we want our cake and eat it too. And while we're doing that, the Chinese are eating our lunch. That's very good. Can I put that on a bumper sticker? <laughs> yeah, I have to shorten it somehow. Yeah, I will. I will. I can. I can do that. I'm pretty good at those type of things. Last question. We've got. Well, I don't have time for a last question. I got to get a break coming up. Bill O'Reilly wants to talk, but we appreciate you hustling and, and giving us a call. Thanks so much. All See right, you next okay. week, Bruce. Thanks, All right. I know there's a lot of people been waiting for this particular hour that we're getting ready to get into. Now, let me let me tell you, we had some changes. Uh, the chief of police was supposed to be here today. He was supposed to be talking about uh, violence in the city of Little Rock. I got a uh, uh, email yesterday. Is it Mark Edwards? Is that right? Right. He's, the, he's the, the PA over there uh, from him. And I know Mark. Mark used to be in radio. I used to work with him. He was him. on Channel 11 years yeah, ago. Yeah, over KARN, I used to work with him. And uh, he's a good guy. Uh, and he let me know that uh, the the chief couldn't do it because something had come up. All right? I don't know what else is more important than to talk about the violence in the city of Little Rock, to be honest. But he couldn't be here today. So I, I put the onus on them. All right. Typically, I it took me several days to find a day and a time that the, the chief could do it. So I sent a, a, a letter back and I said they had said they'd be happy to do it. So what I did is I said, OK, here I'm on Monday through Friday. I'm on from 9 a.m. until, you know, 10 to 11 a.m. So you pick the hour. You pick the day and we'll do it again. And then I'll ask Dr. Smith to come back in, and I asked Benny to come back on, and I asked Jimmy to come back on, and we'll sit here and we'll talk about violence then. So I'm waiting for an answer. I haven't gotten one yet, but it's only it's been less than 24 hours now. So I'll I'll wait to see what they what they have to say. But the chief is not here today. But I got two of two people that I feel are uh, people who are well respected within the black community of uh, Little Rock. And uh, Benny Johnson is here. Benny, you there? Good morning, Dave. And uh, Bishop Smith, how y'all doing? Yeah, he's, doing he's doing good, man. I'm yeah. telling you, I haven't. Se- I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen. I haven't seen Robert in six years. He has not changed. He's got Dick Clark <laughs> disease. <laughs> Benny, he's got Dick Clark disease. He, do- he doesn't age. I do. I age. He walked in. And he looked at me. He says, hey, what happened to you? You got old. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that to me. Bishop never say that to me. And Aaron is here, too. Aaron, say hi. God bless you. Good to have you here, too. Another one of my favorite people as well. All right, guys. So let, let's talk. Uh, violent crime since 2019 is up 33% here in our city. It's not good. And... Uh, um, let me just ask both of you this question first. I'll start with you, Benny. Do you think what the governor and the state legislature did about changing uh, criminal justice the laws are going to have uh, the desired effects that they want? Now, one thing I, I agree on, that, you know, I, 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 we discussed, I have discussed with Bishop before, uh, uh, but 
I do agree. You kill somebody, you need to do 100% of your time. Now, I do believe that. Okay. And it's, it's a sense of the things that's going on. You got people going out here out of control, just going around uh, shooting at people and killing people out in remorse. And, yes, it has to be some kind of deterrent to keep them from doing that. Yes. All right. So let's ask the bishop. What's your thoughts, bishop? Well, I remember the last time I was involved with the legislature about it, Lieutenant Governor Huckabee at that time called me and asked me if I would do or open up a special session with the House and the Senate Mm -hmm. because gang violence had gotten national news. This is when they were banging in Little Rock, Yeah. Okay. So what I did, uh, I went in, went into the Lieutenant Governor's office, sat behind his desk, did a few little willies, then went out on the floor, and I quoted a scripture. I say, when a sentence against an evil work is not speedily executed, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Then I prayed over the special session. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Huckabee gave the chair of the meeting to the opposition. Opposition. Immediately, the sitting governor, governor was indicted. And uh, the lieutenant became the governor. Right. And so we fellowship for those two years and remaining in eight more years after that. Uh, as then, so now. If sentence is not executed speedily, it forces violence. So what the legislature has to do, what the courts have to do, is... Um, Swift justice, swift justice. And if they committed murder, uh, the capital punishment system was enacted by uh, Nor. Any man shed another man's blood, he has to have his shed. And then it went on through. And uh, those covenants, by the way, are still in effect, correct? I'm just going to go right through that. All right, go ahead. The Noetic covenant, capital punishment. With Abraham, the covenant of promise, still in effect. And you know under the law, it triple, double dared you to do it. Mm-hmm. And then under grace, the spirit uh, dispensation, the church age, Paul himself said, if I've done anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. So he said the law is for the lawless. And he began to talk about all the things that the law is for. The law never died. We died when we were crucified with Christ. Right. So we're delivered from those demands of the law because we've been imputed righteousness to us, sanctification and redemption in God's wisdom. So, But if we do anything that's worthy of death as believers, we need to check out as well. Well, Paul said, you know, that we should worry about the sword because God puts those that are in charge over us, and they control the sword. You know, God gave two types of authority. He gave what is called in the Greek exousia mm-hmm. and adutimus. Uh The exousia is the right privilege and authority. That's the badge of authority. And then you have the deutimus, which is the force, might, and ability. Which That's your gone. 
So if you don't obey the badge, you're going to obey the sword. There you go. Yeah, I like that. I'm right with you. <laughs> uh, you know, and we we got somebody on here to talk straight to you about yeah. this. Yeah, I like that. I mean, seriously. So uh, you got to like that, Benny. You got you got to you got to you got to come back on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look here. You can't argue with the word of God. That's right. He gets going. I love this. This is why I asked him on. The first when I when I thought about this and you and I had talked about talking about this particular subject, what was the first name I brought up other than yours? And it was Bishops. That's exact. I said I want to get Robert Smith on with me. This is a man of learning and a man who who's got the word and bring it right to you and humble, humble man. Yes, sir. All right. So, what do we got to do, Bishop? to bring this back uh is it is it starting with the people that that we got to work with or do we got to start in the church well the church as we have uh, been doing for the past well it'll be 42 years straight every monday through friday for 42 years without fail monday through friday 6 a.m we meet on our knees for prayer and this morning how many of you think were there at prayer this morning about a hundred. Well, we had quite a few folks. Great, good numbers. Yeah, real good numbers. On our knees, six a.m. Yeah. Well, that's when you know revival is coming, and yeah. you start seeing a lot of people showing up and get up on their knees and humble themselves before the, yeah. before the Creator. So it starts. Uh, it starts vertically, prayer yeah. from earth to heaven, and then it goes to the horizontal. But if we try to do the horizontal before we do the vertical. We'll be putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Have we gone to doing the horizontal all the time now? For the last three years, it's been the horizontal, and the adversary has had the church on the run. I tell folk, look, we never shut down, not for an hour. We don't social distance. We don't wear masks, and we don't take shots. And uh, I call it her humanity. We're building community for immunity. Mm -hmm. So... When we pray, we can stay. If we fast, we will last. And it's a must with us. So if we can get more congregations, you don't have to have a thousand people, just a few. If we can get them to commit to getting on their knees, then they'll be able to get on our, we'll be able to get on our feet. Knees, feet, uh, sit, walk, stand. Okay? All right. See, I told you, Jimmy, you'd like this. Oh, man. yeah. I got something I'd like to ask Reverend Johnson and the bishop is, and we don't just, I don't want people to think that the only issue is in the black community because it's not. We have a we have a, a situation where this entire country, we're, we're losing faith. And that's something I talked to you, and I want to ask Reverend Johnson also to get both your take is, the problem I see, we can build all the prisons in the world, which I'm glad we're building this prison. We can do the sentences. I'm big on what you just said. But it, until we tackle the problem of we, we have a situation where there seems to be no value of life. And I'd said to you in the break, and I want to get Reverend Johnson on this too, is I, I think a big problem is if, if you don't have faith, then you don't have value of life because the two would go in and hand in hand if that makes sense what do we do to try to get back to the faith and i'm telling you that's not 
you know, we wanted to we we talk about the black community and violence, but it's not just in the black community in Little Rock. It's a, it's a situation across all races and across this country. What you two guys are in, in the streets? What can we do? You know, one thing, uh, and I, like I said last time, we cannot police ourselves out of this. Yeah. It's going to take a collaborative effort. Uh, you, like I said, uh, you come south to 630, and by the time you have a homicide go on, you can be 100 people out on the corner, and ain't nobody saying nothing. One thing, you know, we're going to get be involved in, 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 in our community. And then also we're going to uh, have to uh, support more mentoring. In this I know... Uh, uh, myself and Elder Walter Cochran, Pastor Greater Trinity Church of God of Christ, we will go out and into into the schools and and talk and talk to the children. And he has a he has a mentoring program. We have to you know because this OK program is one of the greatest program uh, best programs in this nation. It's a mentoring program, and uh, uh, Sergeant Davis he he needs mentors, but we got to you know get to where we can uh, reach out to the kids. Uh, and we got to catch them. We got to catch them. Uh, yeah, we got to catch them when they're coming up, like in elementary school. And that's when, before I retired from school, this got 30 years. That's why I moved to the elementary school. So you know, we can reach more of the kids that were that were coming up. And they're gonna take a collaborative effort between the, the community, the police department, and the city as a whole. Then you're gonna have to include the faith-based organization. You have to. All right, Bishop. Well, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, he was dealing with warfare. And we're in spiritual warfare. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mm -hmm. They're not intellectual, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I, I put um, at the feet of the preacher uh, everything that's going on. Uh, like the Old Testament says, like, she, like priests, like people, like people, like priests. The people are going to follow the leaders. And if the leaders are not praying, we're not staying. If the leaders are not fasting, we're not lasting. So wherever you see leadership, ask them how they're living their lives. So uh, to, to to deal with um, this 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 violence, you got to have uh, life. Number one, life comes through prayer. Then you got to have knowledge. That comes through knowing the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And then you got to develop the relationships in that order. It's life, the knowledge, that's the word of God, and relationship. So when we go out on the street in the hood or in the suburban areas, regardless, you got to have the goods if people are going to listen to you. Jesus said himself, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So like I did a funeral for a guy who was running with, the bangers some years ago the grandmother asked me if I do the funeral so in the midst of my message I gave him a rap <laughs> I started singing a rap I said listen up folks this ain't no stuff thinking I was cool I became a fool the devil using me just like a tool I knew what was right but in me was a fight so I need a new 
a DNA. I need God's DNA. I didn't have a clue as to what to do. Found my big fat self behind the queue. I said it must be in my DNA that's causing me to live in this sinful way. So I went back to school to try to prove with specificity. It's my genealogy. At the end of the day, I got a big fat A, but didn't know what to do with my DNA. I need a new what up? DNA. I need God's DNA. The more I tried, the deeper I slide. Sinning, grinning, peeping, and repenting. I went to church, found a place to perch. End up in the flirt with a miniskirt. So religiosity sanctimoniously found in the old me no way to be free. I need a new, come on with it, DNA. I need God's DNA. A new DNA will settle the strife through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. So lift up those hands and receive the grace that's in your face. You got a new, come on, DNA. You got God's DNA. So that's what we got to preach to these folk on the street. I say, look, 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 dude. Look, Yomi. You, you, you need a new DNA. You need a new vocabulary. You need a new uh, inner workings. You got to be born again. I know your vocabulary is better than MFs and all this. You be calling one another, mother this, mother that. I'm calling all you MFs right now. What? Yeah, motherless fraternity. Mm-hmm. Motherless fraternity. You see? But see, if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's going to change your life and save somebody else's. That's what I've always said. It starts with the heart of each person. we got to get a break. Let's do that, 923. Uh, the bishop's going to be here until 10. Benny's going to be here till 10. Uh, we still have a caller that wants to be with us. Uh, Vaughn wants to talk to us. We'll give him an opportunity to tell us what he's thinking, where he's coming from. But right now, I need to tell you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, located at 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. Highest quality jewelry you can find, large display cases full of it. Uh, if you want a unique uh, creation, well, you can get something made. Uh, you see me out and about, you ask me, well, what did what Eric make for you? And I'll show it to you. I'm wearing it right now. I'll show it to you. It's a great piece of jewelry that I wear. And uh, he's just a really good man. He will take good care of you. Repairs, cleaning, all of that. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Uh, Chester is on the phone. Chester, i got three minutes I'm going to give to you. You're on. Go. All right, Dave. I appreciate it. Brother Johnson, I, I, I really thank you. I'm glad you're, you're on and you're out there hearing. And I asked a question last time we talked there at the church and at uh, Bethesda. Uh, why are we fighting one another when we got a common enemy? You know, and one of the things that we had the other day, Monday, I went to the Capitol up there and I um, listened to a group of guys in a meeting talk about the uh, new 3,000-bed prison unit. You know, and building more prisons is not the answer to solve the uh, violence uh, issue here in Little Rock or any other place in the United States for it, I'm, I'm concerned. But yet we have... Uh, system set up where there's corruption inside the prison system and I know this because I was there once in there and I've seen things that are uh, real every day and you never hear them talk about it. You don't hear them talk about catching this and catching this guard, catching that guard and when the guards are embezzling uh, money from the inmates and having their families send money to them on cash app and then the guards will turn around and take in the drugs and stuff that they're requesting. It happens. It happens. The telephones get in there, not by the not by the families, but by the guards. They take a thirty dollars cell phone and sell it for fifteen hundred dollars. I've seen this with my own eyes, and yet 
we can't get the news media to give us any time to sit and talk about this stuff. And out here in the streets, I talk to a lot of homeless people. I feed them every day. I work at a food pantry. And I, and I see these guys there all, all the time. And yet we've got them standing on the corner asking for, for money, and yet they'll leave their trash in all over the city. And it's not the people's city to pick up after them. You know, we've got to get these people together. Just like Brother Johnson said, we got to get them. We got to get God back in these people's lives. If they, they if they don't want to turn to God, God says in His Word in Romans twelve and two, "Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." We've got to change the mind of these people. These huh? people are not out here to um, hurt or harm anybody. It's the choices that they make. I don't care what nobody says. The only thing in your life that you're ever going to own is the choices that you make. All right, so Chester brought up some good stuff. Let's start with you, Benny. Uh, what do you have to say about what Chester said? You there, Benny? Hey, Bishop? No, there you go. Jump in. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that, uh, definitely the governor needs to know about that. I don't think uh, Governor Hunter would, uh, Hunter Bessanders would play about illegal things going on within the prison system. I've been hearing that for years. And that definitely be brought to her attention. And I, I think that she'll definitely have an investigation done to be taken, taken care of. Okay. Bishop? Well, it's back to the leaders. Uh, even in the, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, um, God often said that those kings that cause the people to sin, Mm-hmm. To cause them to go into idolatry. And even the priests that ministered in the midst of idolatry and caused the people to be in idolatry, they be, themselves, the priests, became ministers of iniquity. And they could not get close to God. He put his hand up against them in Ezekiel 44. So it gets back to the leadership, whether it's governmental leadership, church leadership, or your neighborhood uh, mortuary those in the, the urban community the preacher and the mortician have the influence and they need to be really really uh, this is what I suggest to all leaders spiritual leaders especially get to a first fruit and a root group together get those five or ten people pour your life into them and then they will pour their lives into the rest of the people. Like you've done with Aaron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He can throw down right now. As a matter of fact, take it over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just agree as I'm listening. And uh, I believe that when it comes to what's going on in the prison system, I had an older brother who served 30 years. And um, regardless of what you try to do, you're not going to get rid of corruption. Uh, only the Lord Jesus Christ can get rid of that. And so you're always going to have some corruption somewhere. And it just happens to be that most people that are in prison are not repentive. And so the recidivism rate in prison is uh, about 70% because most of them are not sorry for what they did. They're sorry because they got caught. Mm-hmm. So they get out and try to do it a different way so they won't get caught again. And then you have the guards who are there that just, 
trying to make a dollar. And so when more money comes in, uh, they want more money. So they're going to do what it takes to get more money. And so you're not going to get rid of that corruption, but you can uh, serve a, a notice that it won't be tolerated. And so I was listening to you talk about the difference between state and federal. Yep. And uh, when you serve a notice that it won't be tolerated, people are going to bow down to that notice. You know, we were talking during the break, and Aaron's talking about I have heard from prosecutors and that uh, people who have been arrested, they'll ask, is this a state crime or a federal crime? And uh, this may change now that they passed the new legislation that they have. But uh, if you said it was a state crime, they didn't get all upset because they knew they're going in and out to a revolving door, basically. You're not going to do all your time. In fact, you probably won't even do 10%. And so they don't get upset. But if you say it's a federal crime, number one, they know you're going to do 85 to 100% of, the, of the, whatever the, the sentence is. And you're not staying near home where people can visit you. There's no telling what federal prisons they're going to send you to. They send you to Kentucky, wherever. And being able to visit family and stuff is not possible or it's very difficult. And so then they get serious. So hopefully now that, uh, you know, the serious crimes like murder in the first degree, it's 100%. That's what it's going to be now, 100%. Maybe people will think twice Mm -hmm. before they pull the trigger on that gun. I got to hope that they'll think twice. Well, you I think said, it, you yeah. said, Bishop, you got to give them something to think about, right? Sure. It, it, you, I think deterrence, you got to have deterrence, right? But we can have all the deterrence in the world as far as doing it, but we still got to get back to, you know, why people commit the crimes, why they have no value of life, why they feel the way they do. And I think it goes back to, you know, the faith deal. And when. When I worked in inner city schools in Little Rock and Coast and, and uh, did strength and conditioning, the one thing I found is that these young men would come in, and most of them, the fact is, most of them were didn't have fathers in their lives. But when they came to the weight room, when they came to work out on the field, and you know, we, I, nobody's going to push you harder than I do. But that's what they wanted. What I found is these young men wanted that. They wanted me to get in their butt. They wanted me to hold them accountable. They wanted me because I could see the best in them. And they wanted to say yes, sir, no, sir. They wanted to all that. The problem that, that would that would really upset me and other coaches and stuff is when they left. What were they going to? Because they they leave and we have two hours of structure, two hours of, hey, we're going to do it this way, the right way. And, man, they really responded, worked hard. I mean, those kids would work hard. But then I was so concerned because a lot of them would leave and they would go sell drugs when they left the weight room. That's where we got to And so how do we, and, and I've talked to Reverend Johnson again, the mentoring program, how do we tackle that society that is missing a father that will kick your butt when you get out of line? And I, I think you talked about leadership. So you guys talk about that. I'd really like to get your perspective, Reverend Johnson's perspective. Okay. Let's start with the bishop this time, Benny. We'll let him talk, and then you, you follow up. All right? Here's the bishop. All right. Well, the apostle James said in his writings, he said, Pure religion that's undefiled before God, the Father, is that we visit the fatherless. Mm-hmm. 
and then the widows in their afflictions and keep oneself unspotted from the world. God does not appreciate fatherless scenarios. So men should be looking to father children. So you got all these children out of wedlock and these knucklehead fellas, all they know how to do is make babies. They can't raise children. So the church has a responsibility. Uh, Brother Benny spoke of mentoring. Uh, you mentor through your life. You can't give principles without practice. And the children, you said it, it's caught and not just taught. Um, so w the scripture says wisdom is justified of her children. If you want to know how much wisdom a parent have, just look at the child. It tells you all the, the whole story. So we need these men right now to, to mirror themselves in the scriptures. How do I fare when it comes to the scriptures? Mm -hmm. So when I touch a young person's life, are they getting God's purpose realized in their own? So pure religion that's undefiled is a person that's able to get to the fatherless and don't let the women influence you in the wrong direction. And that is keep yourself unspotted from the world. Because when you handle children right, those women are going to really have uh, a real an affection towards you. So you have to, hey, like, be able to, you know, escape, mm -hmm. so to speak. So that's where things are going to change. That's how things are going to change. When men mirror themselves in the scriptures, and how do I fit the bill of pure religion that's undefiled and acceptable to God? All right. Benny? Yes, sir. And I, and I agree with the Bishop in a whole lot of We live in a, in a generation where we have a bunch of uh, single-parent homes, and I think, and the Bishop mentioned it earlier, that uh, the pastors and leaders uh, have to, you know, they have to step up. And in fact, as pastors knowing of these single homes, they should be reaching out to some of these parents, man, but uh, I don't know if Bishop agree with me like that, but we got a lot of division within our churches. And if, you know, and, uh, you know, how invited can't stand, but it, with their unity, their strength. And we get, you know, the faith-based organization, like you said, leaders. And in and, and, and the community, uh, back in the day, I know the church, uh, I mean, was well-respected. A lot of times people don't have respect for the church. And, I, you know, I applaud what, what Bishop is doing there and all that right off there Ash Avenue because he is involved in the community. And what we have, we don't have enough churches involved in the community. And like Bishop said, you know, the pastors got to be the leaders and we got to reach out to these single parent homes. No ifs and buts about it. So how do we make that happen, Benny, do you think? I mean, the the, the black I know that the black church from when I was a young man had a lot more uh pool within the community that it does today. Yes, how do we how do we get back to that? Well, I mean, I've been doing trying to do it for the last 30 years and a lot of pastors, I'm just going to be honest with you, get get mad at me because, uh, in fact, uh, one, one pastor I went to preach at church once, but he even brought it out. That some of the pastors said, I won't preach in the pulpit because I, I, I've been getting on the pastors, but, you know, by being involved in the community. Now, how can you get upset with me? 
when we try to do something positive to help our community. I don't understand it. So there's a problem there. Bishop? The best thing for a spiritual leader to do is to live where he preach. Yes, true. Live where he preach. Now, we're in the hood to do some good, bringing the neighbors back to the hood. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that there is a battle going on for the spiritual leaders to live where the need is greatest. We've had people argue, uh, go to the city against us. Uh, we're building new homes in the hood. The street that I live on used to be the main prostitution stroll in the city from Asher to, to uh, Roosevelt. People came from all over the city to get the prostitutes. Well, we moved on that street. And my wife would walk with the prostitutes and say, if they pick you up, they're going to pick me up too. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, we built a brand new home. The, the people were upset because we built a big home. And then we bought a home across the street and added a two-story, 4,000-square-foot addition onto that, and they got upset with that. And so we put a prayer garden in <laughs> on the corner. They got upset with that. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, people, you know, I tell you the truth. And we go to, we've been down to the city um, board and the the, the uh, planning commission and people arguing and fussing and fighting because people are not getting proper spiritual nourishment. So people have been living in the community for 40 years and they had not won one person in 40 years to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you coming in, you're trying to do something. My, my spiritual son here, he he wanted to build a home right across the street from me. So he bought the whole block. And <laughs> they put he put some, some units out there that they could put a special kind of uh, dwelling. Mm-hmm. Boy, the, the, the community went down and argued so tough until he had to move all that stuff out. Really? Yeah. So... It's not just the the youth. It's the old heads, the gray heads that hadn't led anybody anywhere. So we have to get there and we have to live there. So people, like I tell them in the hood, I say, I live where you live, but don't like don't live like you live. There you go. And so if you want to have what I have, you need to do what I'm doing. You see me every day, and I'm talking to you, and I'm naming you this. You deacon this, and 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 you deacon that. I'm gonna make you a deacon. I'm gonna make you. So we got to live where we preach. All right, we gotta get our final break in, then we'll come back, finish up with Benny Johnson and and Bishop Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show. East End Towing wants you to know they'll do it. They'll do it right for you. I know for a fact they will. I've used them twice in the last four four or five weeks. They've had to. Told me in. I had a hose break on the the car, spewed out all of my, uh, you know, uh, water that was in the car, overheated. Linda was out by herself, pulled it up into Marco's Pizza's uh, parking lot right there on 89. They came and got us, uh, took us over to Joe's Garage on Crystal Hills Road, where I want the car to be fixed at. And then uh, went out one morning getting ready to come into work. This is a couple weeks ago on a Friday. In fact, it was the week, uh, the Friday that we had the tornado, and uh, got in the car, turned it over, and wouldn't turn over. Battery was dead, so we had to call, call him, come out, and tow me again. 
and uh, they did it both times, whether it's on public land, whether it's on private property. They know how to do it, and they know how to do it right, and you can get it done with East End Towing. Their number is 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849, and by the way, the price was right. All right, we've got seven minutes left here with uh, Benny Johnson, and uh, let me say it right. Reverend Big Benny Johnson. Big is the right. key word there. Yeah, we were thinking about having uh, the, the bishop back on to wrap some more, uh, Benny, and then you could uh, you could uh, bench press for us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still say I still say Reverend Johnson can still bench press this building. Probably so. I think he could. Big man. He is a big There's a reason they call him Big yeah. Benny Johnson. I'm just telling you that for a fact. All right, so... Here we are, we're sitting at the last of, uh, of an hour of talking, and uh, we've covered a couple of major topics, I think, that, and themes that we've heard. We've heard that you've got to have spiritual leadership and true spiritual leadership. And on top of that, you've got you to have a work within the community that you're located in. And uh, and maybe that's where the church has has failed over the last few years. Do you think that may be the problem, Benny? Yeah, yeah yes, it is. And I was listening to Bishop a little while ago. Uh, you know, he's improving the community over there, and all that crime's going on. You, we got to put our priorities in right perspective. Now, you know, you had several, you know, uh, things going in. They were like Bishop said, used to be prostituted. That's what they should have been focusing on. That are going out there fighting some of the positives coming into the community. Now you have a, a, a man of God, a pastor, doing things positive in the community. You fight against it. That, that's totally backwards. And I applaud for uh, Bishop for what he's doing over there in the Ash Street area. Well, he's been doing it for a long time, correct, Bishop? You say forty years has it been? Forty-two years next month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You got a heart for that neighborhood, don't you? Hey, look. Uh, it's it's rewarding. It's rewarding to see a woman with pulse coming out of her feet turn to Christ. Wow. And we've had to take them in our home mm-hmm. and live with us. People have been living with us for over 40 years from the beginning. Uh, that's why we built bigger homes so we had more bedrooms, more bathrooms. Right. And then you got you to gotta shepherd people. You really do. You can't just win them to Christ and say, okay, I'll see you later. No. Every day they got to see what you say. I didn't say here. They got to see what you say. Oh, that's what you meant. I see. Well, why do the, lamb, why do the lambs follow the, yeah. the shepherd? They see the shepherd. The shepherd directs them, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I think what Bishop's saying is, you know, you, you know, a lot of talk. I want to see some footwork. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's where I think younger guys like Aaron comes in. And you know, to it just can't be Bishop, right? It just can't. We got to have people like Aaron. We got to have people like Aaron, and we need more Aarons. To but Jimmy, you don't get that. Aarons unless you have bishops that, that pour themselves saying, into that, them. Yeah, but we've got to have more people following the lead. You said the word lead. Follow the lead. So now Aaron's leading. Now we need somebody to look at Aaron and say, "Hey, I'm gonna be like Aaron. I'm gonna lead." Because it sounds like Aaron's doing a lot of stuff that you've been doing in that very street, right? Exactly. He he lives right next door to where we minister. Um, in an apartment building, two floors, he and his wife and eight children, 
and they're in the ministry full time. They're there seven days a week, and we're doing it together. And his wife, uh, she it, she was born and raised in uh, Belgium, and she's a Ph.D. chemist from Georgia Tech, and she's right there teaching children on a daily basis. Fantastic. Yeah. That's just fantastic. Oh, oh LSQ. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Agnew. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, Benny. Hey, Bishop. All right. Hey, Benny. Hey, Bishop. Go ahead. Yeah, Bishop, you know, Paul's a mentor to Timothy, uh, and, and, and that's where you've been to a lot of people. You've been mentoring and helping people and telling them how to preach and live the Word of God. And I... I applaud you what you've been doing for these 40 plus years. Your prayers are appreciated. All right. Yeah, thank you so much. We are out of time. Benny, I'm going to be back with you. I'm, I'm sure that Mark Edwards will get back to me and we'll set this up. And uh, we'll have the chief of police from Little Rock come in and sit down. In fact, I'll even extend my hand out to the mayor and see if the mayor wants to come in and talk about how do we get rid of the violence that are well wait a second now he keeps saying it isn't violent in little rock right well we'll get him on to talk about whatever it is that he wants Safe to talk city about in the South. that's exactly right anyway we'll get uh, we'll try to get all of you on bishop thank you for coming in today i appreciate you aaron it's always a pleasure to see you too Great brother to see you good too. to see you the wednesday edition of the dave elswick show Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.